Hello everybody and welcome to the Cine Place podcast mini-series Cinema Spotlight. So um, in my quest to talk all things event cinema around the UK, um, I have been joined today very kindly by uh, Jade Turner, film programmer for the Northampton Film House. Welcome Jade, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me. Not at all. So we were just having a chat before we started recording about your setup there at the Northampton Film House and your sister venues. So if I just hand over to you kind of straight away um could you give us a little bit of background on the various venues and then also on yourself and your your role yeah absolutely yeah so um the northampton film house is part of the royal and Dungate um art site here in northampton so we have the royal theater which is actually celebrating its 135th birthday this year oh, which wow. is yeah i know it's uh, you know, <laughs> pretty real, old a real landmark yeah and then we have the Dungate, which is just a little bit younger, uh, but still, uh, it was it's from the early 80s. Um, and uh, the really lovely thing with both of them is that the Royal is, as the name suggests, a sort of grand old style theatre. Um, you know, we do Shakespeare productions and sort of traditional um, plays in there. And then the Dungate is this amazing multi-purpose venue where we can have live concerts, conferences, big musicals, ballets, you name it, we can configure it all sorts of different ways. Um, so those two theatres have obviously been here, uh, you know, a very long time. And then six years ago, um, we launched the Northampton Film House, which sits just outside, um, but it's still connected. You can walk um, you can walk all the way through from the Royal to the Film House. I was going to ask how, how close physically are they, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean... I'm trying to think from my position in the office now, I can probably, I can get to the Royal in about 30 seconds, the Durngate in about a minute, and then the film house probably in about two minutes. So it's all... Uh, it's all quite it's all tight perfect. unit, yeah. It is, yeah. And, um, and it's really nice when it's, you know, when you have a busy evening and we've got things going on in all three of the venues, um, you know, there's a real atmosphere and a real buzz around the place, which is, which is really, really lovely. Yeah, nice. And a nice little community by the sounds of it as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, um, the, um, you know, the Royal definitely draws people in from across the country. Um, you know, it's one of the one of the most highly regarded regional theatres in, in the UK. Um, and then obviously the, the Derngate and the, um, the film house do draw people in from sort of the local area and a little bit beyond. Um, but absolutely, I think we're a, we're a really lovely arts arts hub here in Northampton which is great and so your role is your film programmer aren't you so how did you get into that role yeah so um I've only recently just started at the cinema um but I I mean I've always loved film always loved cinema you know grew up sort of going all the time um and then in my and then in my mid to late teens I just absolutely fell in love with it and I was going to my local arts um cinema all the time um so I decided to do a BA in film I worked in London in film after um after I got my degree Yeah. yeah um but it wasn't until I sort of did a couple of years um where I was trying to work out what I wanted to do and I realised that I did really want to do programming and curation. Um, so I actually went to the National Film and Television School and did a master's. Oh, great. Um, yeah, in, it's a very, very long title, but it's Film Studies, Programming and Curation. But I, I studied that there, and this is my first sort of proper full-time position after the master's. I did some freelance work 
while I was studying for um, Open City Docs Festival and Film Africa. And then I also worked a little bit with the Jeffrey Museum, which is the Museum of the Home um, in Hoxton. So um, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't that I wasn't programming while I was doing the Masters. I was, you know, I was very active and doing things. But obviously coming into a, a cinema where we have screens every day, that need filling and that you know we have a we have a dedicated audience who you know 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 what to expect with the film house but also are hopefully looking for some some new things to discover and everything this is uh you know this is kind of new territory from the point of view of not just working on festivals or seasons or events you know yeah, a new so, challenge for you yeah, yeah exactly but it's very exciting and you know the the film house is um is a absolutely you know, it's a really, really lovely cinema and it's a I think it's quite an exciting time um to be here as well because um the the university and things that are nearby are really, really growing. Um and it's just quite a quite a nice time to be sort of part of the, the cultural part of Northampton. So do you find that um a lot of your audiences come from the university or is it a mixture of, of you know, local residents and some students or how, how does that work out? Yeah, so the majority of our audience, I would say, are locals. Um, I, I think either from Northamptonshire or the surrounding areas. You know, we're not far from Milton Keynes, and I know we have uh, quite a large audience base that come from Milton Keynes because I can't believe this, but Milton Keynes doesn't have an independent cinema. Which um, when I, when I found that out, it kind of blew my mind. But they have all the chains, but they have no independent. And I think, I mean, you know, from our point of view, it's fantastic because it means we're probably the closest independent cinema they have. Um, but it's kind of odd when you think about it. But anyway, that's a that's a tangent. But yeah, the the cinema as it was when it opened um, and still is, it, it re- we really do offer sort of a luxurious cinema experience without a particularly hefty price tag. So I think, um, you know, we've got premium food and drink. We've got really lovely large comfy reclining seats that are just you know absolutely perfect to watch to watch films in um and we've also got really gorgeous big screens with amazing sound and everything um so I think all of that did kind of gear us more towards a slightly older audience um who you know were happy to pay maybe a little bit more than you would pay at your average multiplex um but to get that more sort of premium experience um, for their money. So the majority of our audience definitely fall into a slightly older demographic. But I would say, um, especially with the rise of the, you know, the university and um, we've now got student halls practically sort of two minutes away from the cinema. Um, we are we are seeing a rise in student numbers and, and it's, it's an area that we're really trying to, to grow and push because it just seems... It just seems like a no-brainer, really, to have them to have them coming here when they're so close, you know, that they're so close to us. I think that's that's really interesting, actually, and I think that's something that um, we can possibly go into more detail in shortly. Can we? Did you have happen to have a, an interesting fact about the Northampton Film House? So it's opened six years ago. Is that what you said? Yes. Yeah, so six years, and um, we've opened in twenty seventeen. We opened a second screen um, because the first one was so popular, and now we we regularly sell out both um, both screens, which is absolutely fantastic. But my my interesting fact, I was I was racking my brain for what what might be the most interesting fact I could think of, and it actually relates to the the royal and the theatres. Um, but uh, as a as an organisation, um, every year on Shakespeare's birthday, we all come together and celebrate him and his work. 
Um, and we have we have a bust of Shakespeare that's in the foyer for the royal, and we gather around, we raise a glass of fizz, and then the um, the youngest actor from the visiting company at the time um, they recite a monologue or a sonnet. It's obviously not it's not cinema at all you know I'm sort of stood there thinking what could we do that's sort of the equivalent in cinema <laughs> raise a glass to Hitchcock or something maybe but yeah no it's it's lovely and I think you know I think there's something really nice about this sense of sort of celebrating just art and theatre and you know the contribution that uh you know someone clearly is uh, as influential as Shakespeare has made to uh you know, to to all of our work here, because we, we do work very much, you know, across the venues and, um, you know, collaboratively. So, But I think that ties in really nicely with event cinema, though, because obviously the point of event cinema is that you're bringing, it's not just cinema, it's not just film. No, it's this no. kind of real broad spectrum of, of really diverse content and especially theatre, you know. Yes. I think that's perfect. Well done, you. Um, <laughs> okay, fab. So to turn to event cinema... Um, more specifically um, what's the content the specific kind of genre should we say that works the best for you guys at the Northampton Film House um, you know do you do really well with your theatre because of the theatre connection with your sister sites or you know what what works for you guys yeah I mean I think that's I think principally yes is the answer um, things like NT Live and RSC Live tend to do exceptionally well um, you know they'll regularly sell out and we'll be adding encore screenings that will also pretty much be sold out um but we also find that music events um you know live concerts and things do really well as well and again I think that's you know we've got the Dangate audience too where we have you know we regularly have bands in and so you know recently we had the Take That concert that did that did really well yeah we, we added a second screening of that that also did really well um We've got the Cure coming up. That's that's basically sold out at this point. And then the other two I've also written down that did really well were, were Soft Style and Cliff Richard. Which again, between those four, okay, maybe Soft Style and the Cure have a bit in common, but Quite there's diverse. not that much in common. Yeah, exactly. And then we also see huge numbers for opera and ballet as well. Um, I would say they're they're kind like if you wanted to take an average, they're ever so slightly less than the others. Um, but we're still regularly at sort of 85% occupancy for those um, and and over. Um, so I think, you know, I think what we really see is that we've got a, a hugely um, culturally engaged audience who, who you know, are regularly coming to the Royal, are regularly coming to the Derngate, do come to the cinema as well. But also when it's when it's a event cinema that they can't get here, you know, as a live performance. They'll they'll come and see it as event cinema in the film house, which um, you know, I'm I'm extremely grateful for because it means that we can put on a, a huge range of diverse things and know that we're gonna target and reach the people who are really keenly engaged with these with these types of events. Yeah. So you've got a really nice synergy there. Yeah. I think obviously one thing we have to be careful of is that we don't cannibalize the audience in any way um you know that if say we've got I don't know we had Richard III on recently in the Royal um I suppose it probably wouldn't have made sense to have um some RSC productions on at the same time because um you know that's that's the kind of thing we need to just keep an eye out for I suppose um but but I think um, you know, as long as we're bringing a mix of different event cinemas um, and also giving people the opportunity to see things that they, you know, naturally can't really see here. Um, so we've just put an exhibition on screen um, the next season on sale. You know, 
we have an art gallery and we have museums and things here, but clearly, you know, we don't have Frida Kahlo in Northampton. So, um, you know, I think that's really important that we we do things like that. Um, and also kind of one-off things that people maybe don't necessarily think of um, immediately because they're, you know, it's not the same as sort of the Met Opera or NT Live, but um, we've got the uh, Margaret Atwood event from the South Bank Centre, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which seems to be selling pretty well as well. Um, so I, I, you know, I think it's, I think it's making sure that we're we're bringing a mix of things that complement the theatre, but also, you know, try and bring other things that are maybe a little bit kind of different that you know you wouldn't necessarily see in the theatre anyway. Yeah. So when you're when you're looking at kind of what you're going to do for your next season or your next brochure how do you approach it do you have a process do you kind of go off you know tried and tested content that we know this works well so we'll we'll go down that route again or do you ever throw in any sort of curveballs to see how they go how do you how do you approach it yeah I mean it's a mix I would say um you know we we know we have this really dedicated uh, audience who are interested in theatre, opera, ballet. Um, so we definitely, you know, we want to keep keep them happy and, um, and keep cater to showing them. Yeah, them. yeah exactly. Um, but then we'll we'll throw in other things as well that you know we're maybe not we're not a hundred percent sure about, but that we think they probably like. Um, we've got the cold blue coming up, which is the um, and I think that's you know that's doing really well. It's maybe it's it's probably been a slower seller than um some of the other ones that we've had but but that's not to say I think it will probably sell out still it's just it's taken a bit longer to you know to find its audience but I think that's you know that's clearly something that um you know in when we're looking at it we're thinking that the audience will have an interest in it and it's just making sure that we let them know about it and that we market to them in the right way so that they're you know so that they are they find it and they are excited about it I was I was going to ask why you think that was or potential reasons for it being a bit slower but do you think it is down to that kind of you know making people aware and and getting the word out yeah I think so I think you know it you know realistically if you look at you know just how much of a brand name something like the NT or RSC or Met Opera are um, I think the the general level of awareness for for those kind of events is so much higher. Um, you know, when you put on a one off like the Cold Blue or even like the Margaret Atwood coming up, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily have that instant recognition, or it do, it also doesn't have people looking out for it in maybe the same way. You know, we we quite often get phone calls from people who are you know ready to book as soon as they hear the Met Opera have announced a new season. Um, and, you know, it might not be on sale anywhere yet. And they're ringing up and saying, when can I book? When can I book? And we, we have to say, just a moment, like we will have it, but just give us two seconds to actually, you know, do the admin on this. Thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Not dissimilarly with when a theatre puts out their programme, you know, their upcoming season and the kind of members or regular audience are, are very keen to book in exactly the same way. Yeah. So I think like, I think that's, to me, that's sort of a, you know, I'm I am all for doing the sort of special one-offs and for bringing kind of um, unusual alternative content or you know slightly different um, than the than the kind of live performance or uh, concerts or whatever it might be. Um, but I think we, as an you know, when we're programming and when we're looking at marketing it, we have to have an understanding which is 
you know, these things are going to need more marketing and they're going to need more of a push than, say, something like, um, I'm just looking at the programme now that we've got coming up. We've got the next Andre Rue concert. Um, you know, he does those every year. The people that love them, they they absolutely love them. You know, they're looking out for it. They know it's going to go on sale. They know it's coming. Um, you know, that's, to me, that's one of the really lovely things about event cinema is it's kind of become cyclical in that way. But then there's other, you know, clearly and rightly so, there's other things that are individual kind of one-offs that we're... Um, that we're able to to put on but I suppose we just have to make sure that our expectations and the the dedication is there to to make them work as well as the other things that just sort of you know we know we can kind of bank on the audience coming back to them year after year. That that segues nicely into a kind of a marketing question that I had about how you market your events and which channels work the best um, but you know speaking specifically about the cold blue or any other piece yeah. of content that, like you say, may not be as visible to people immediately. Yeah. How do you approach that? Do you do a kind of a very specific social media campaign, for example, where you find the group of fans who would absolutely love it? Or, you know, how do you approach it? On the whole, the event cinema goes out through the same channels as our regular programme. So um, it's all highlighted in a separate section in the brochure. Uh, but to be honest, most of the time um, with the brochure, it's probably nearly sold out by the time it goes in there <laughs> um, because a lot because a lot of things go on sale um, way, way ahead of time. Um, so, I mean, just as a for instance, you know, with the exhibition on screen that we've just put on sale, the um, the final date in that is July next year, and we're already selling tickets for it. So, um, I mean, that's that's an extreme example, but at the end of the day, it shows you um, how much people want to they want you know they want to come and they want it in their diary and they're not going to miss it. Um, but yeah, I mean, for for something like the cold blue, we've definitely had to do you know we've had to have a think about uh, who it is that it appeals to, exactly how it is that we're positioning it. Um, and I think, you know, I think something like that does appeal to our core demographic in a lot of way because of the historical angle on it. Um, and so I think um, to a large extent, it is just about sort of letting um, letting our members and letting our kind of core audience know that this is on and that we think they'd be interested. Um, but then we also do, you know, we'll do sort of more targeted um, campaigns that that factor in, you know, kind of historical societies or particular groups that that might have more of an inclination towards something that's to do with, you know, World War Two or um, veterans or something like that. So um, we take a bit of a we take a bit of a mixed approach, especially when it's something that's maybe not not been quite uh, expected, um, you know, as we've just been talking about. But the other thing as well is, um, you know, the the cinema team here. Uh, we're we're relatively small, especially compared to um, the the teams that work on the theatre. Um, so we we have to be very pragmatic about what it is that we're doing um, because we, uh, you know, as a lot of cinemas don't have, but you know, we just don't have a huge resource to do a, a massive marketing campaign for um, for all of the things that we've got going on. So we kind of have to we we have to go for the um, you know the most effective. Um, but hopefully uh, not too time-consuming route for some of this stuff. Yeah, you, know? yeah. you have to be specific and efficient with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Great. Um, what do you do or do you do anything different or 
kind of outside the box maybe um to put on an event how do you approach it and what what ingredients do you do you personally think make up a successful event I think a lot of the time the reason that event cinema is really popular here is because the film house in many ways does feel like an extension of the theatres um we have really excellent customer service and it's a very professional air um when you walk into the cinema screens um and i i always feel like when i come and see something here it's there's something that's slightly more theatrical and slightly more like going to the theater than your average cinema um and i think from that point of view that naturally lends itself towards you know people wanting to come here to see event cinema screenings because um you know yes you're seeing measure for measure live um but you're you're doing it somewhere that kind of feels like a theatre and it's attached to a theatre. It has that historical influence almost. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I also would say that, you know, the um, the front of house team and our cinema manager work extremely hard, uh, not only, you know, delivering excellent customer service and making sure that, you know, we've got sort of plenty of food and drinking and that we, we're keeping the bars open while things are on and everything, um, but also they will... Um, they will go all out in in terms of decorating the space um nice. if we think it's something that um you know kind of warrants that so we wouldn't necessarily do that for something like the ng live season you know because there's there's obviously a lot of them um but uh something we we did recently um and we do it every year is um eurovision um okay a, great yeah. yeah we we put eurovision on and um uh, our cinema manager is absolutely amazing. She um, she decorates everything, so we'll have flags and bunting, um, and people dress up, and um, we put together little goodie bags for everyone. And there's, I think there's, oh, she's going to kill me if I get this wrong, but I think she does food and drink from all of the countries that are participating and different things like that. So um, you know, when there is something that is genuinely kind of like a very very special event. Um, then we'll do things like that. And if it's something that maybe isn't quite to that extreme level, but we, we you know, we want to make sure that the, the audience feel very welcome and that they're, you know, fully engaged with it. Um, you know, we might have special cocktails that we've made up that we have. Um, nice or, you know, yeah, different things like that. Or special offers on particular things. I mean, this isn't necessarily event cinema, but we showed the, um, the Cornetto trilogy, um back in the spring and you know with that naturally we were selling cornettos because you can't show the cornetto trilogy without selling cornettos so you know so we're i think to me it's a real kind of mix of exactly like you're saying premium content you know good quality content that people want to come and see and also that they know they're going to get um you know they're going to have a fantastic experience um with coming to see it and then also the sort of the baseline of um, our great customer service and then when it's sort of appropriate the the extra special touches that we do as well um, to make everyone feel welcome and I think again a lot of the time with our with the with the theatre with the opera with the ballet that's a lot of our core audience and I think they're very kind of comfortable and very familiar with the film house um, when we show things like soft sell or the cure um, I think on the whole, we are attracting an audience that maybe don't come to us all the time. Um, and so I think that's when it's really important that we um, kind of go the extra mile, as it were, to to encourage them to come back and also to make sure that they, they do have as, as great a time as possible in, 
in the cinema. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the beauty of event cinema, isn't it? That there is that scope. On the flip side of things, have you guys tried any content that was perhaps, you know, diversifying from what you normally do that just didn't work that well or um, possibly there just wasn't an audience for it or... I mean, I think our documentary events sometimes don't quite as work as well as other events. Um, but I'll be honest, I think this is probably more to do with the what the documentary is about and the content rather than it being the event not being, uh, you know, an interesting prospect for people. Um, the because some documentary events actually do amazing. Um, the the they shall not grow old. Um, yes, of live course. Q&A, Peter Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. Was was you know, was an absolute smash here. Um, and the documentary itself did really well as well. Um, but I think you know developing a documentary audience on the whole is probably something that we need to look at. Um, and and also working out how to position you know the special and unique aspects of the live event as well. Um, you know. One, why is this documentary interesting? But also, two, what is special about the live event that comes with it that, that is why you should, you know, come and engage with it? Um, but I think, you know, going forward, we just need to be quite savvy about which ones we take and which ones, um, which ones, you know, like you said, we maybe just don't have an audience for or don't currently have an audience for. Um, or how to find that audience, perhaps, as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um you know, and I think some of that probably goes back to, um, you know, how we're engaging with um, younger people or um, or other parts of the community, you know, who, who maybe um, aren't necessarily coming to us in the first instance. But, you know, if we can build up on those audiences, um, then, you know, maybe we will have an audience. Yeah, fantastic. So what was your most successful piece of content ever? Do you, do you know just off the top of your head? Yeah. So it is, it, it, and it literally is ever um, for a single screening. Um, it, it was soft sell last year. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, and but not very far behind at all was the recent Liam Gallagher live performance as well. But I think one of the reasons I think this these two took a lot of money um, is something I touched on a moment ago is because I think they probably were attended by people on the whole who aren't members, um, so they paid top price ticket um, prices for them because you know, our National Theatre, our RSC, the Opera and Ballet, you know, they they consistently sell out. Um, but if, if it's members booking, they get one pound off the ticket price, which, you know, if you, um, we've got, so it's 89 seats and 83 seats we've got. Um, and, you know, I suppose if, if the majority of those people are paying one pound less for their tickets, that that's going to add up um you know on the whole isn't it uh, you know overall for your for your box office taking so yeah, absolutely yeah um but I was quite shocked that it was soft sell but I think it's I was I was really pleasantly surprised as well I was like that's that's kind of amazing isn't it and and like you say perhaps a slightly different audience than you'd normally attract so yes definitely yeah, I think. what do you think so as the industry as a whole what kind of things do you think the industry needs to do to keep growing to do even better than it is obviously last year was a record year is it about getting younger audiences in is it about trying new content what do you think yeah I mean I think it's a mixture of those those two things and also I think it's also looking at kind of niche events that minority groups might also find interesting because I think even a lot of the things we've been talking about here National Theatre Live, RSC Live, Met Opera, you know Andre Rue and then even talking about things like Soft Cell and Liam Gallagher, you know, there's clearly kind of 
I think, on the whole, askew towards sort of an older white audience with yeah, a lot yeah, of these yeah. things. Um, which, granted, you know, I can appreciate that putting on event cinema is not cheap, um, you know, and I suppose it's looking at the audience and the demographic and going, well, they've they've got disposable income and they like, you know, they like enjoying these things. Um, so this audience is going to turn out. And, you know, exactly like you've just said, we've seen that because we're seeing record numbers of people come out and see these things. But I think it's also recognising that if it's the right event and um, it's positioned well, and maybe 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 it's the same cost, maybe it's slightly cheaper. I don't see why young people or you know other kind of minority groups wouldn't come out for something um, if if it was the right offering, you know. Um, I mean, I was quite surprised that the Spice Girls didn't do anything for their recent tour. Quite honestly. Um, yeah, I think that's a really fair point, especially with, like you say, Take That and then Westlife coming yeah, up as well. Exactly, exactly. And I mean, maybe, they, maybe they've recorded it and maybe they'll release something later in the year. Um, but you kind of think like, you know, so many of my friends and people I knew either managed to get tickets, but they weren't very good tickets or were desperate to get them and didn't manage to get them. And you just think they would have made a killing if they'd have done a, you know, a live stream. And, and also people who just, you know probably you know didn't want to pay I have no idea how much tickets I didn't look but I don't think they were say, cheap exactly that's let's, let's say they started at 50 quid you know how many people probably looked at that and went oh I wouldn't pay that but they would pay 15 pound to come to the cinema to see it you know so I suppose that's you know it's and, and that's not even a niche thing is it let's face it this is that's still kind of talking about mass mass uh, a, a popular know. group from the 90s it's not particularly diverse yeah no um, but I think even something like that would would bring in you'd be bringing in people who would not necessarily engage with event cinema, um, you know, on on the whole. Um, and I think that that would be that would be great. But, yeah, I think, you know, looking to broader parts of your population, engaging with niche events um, and and, you know, and and recognizing that, say, if you did do something like esports or something like that yes, you're clearly not going to be looking at a broad part of the population there, but bring in the bring in the people who are interested in it 100%, you know, get get that buy-in. Um, and I'm sure you'd then sell out in the same way that you do when you put on, I don't know, All About Eve or whatever it might be, you know. Um, because I think, you know, I, and, and this is always the, this is always the question, isn't it? But it's what what is popular, what is successful, um, and really drilling down into that and and making the most of that those kind of things rather than just sort of saying oh you know so and so's going on tour yeah that's fine they've got a huge audience we'll we'll do that that's you know not a problem um and then also i think the other thing that i was you know kind of thinking about with event cinema is these days anyone can live stream anything from anywhere um, and we can watch it on our phones, on our tablets, on our TVs, on our laptops. Um, but why why would someone choose to come and watch it in the cinema? And, you know, why would they pay money to do so when, you know, a lot of the time you can watch things for free? Um, and I think it's the same question, really, about why someone would come to the cinema in the first place. You know, it's a joint shared experience. You get the big screen and the enormous sound. You get an evening of pleasure and, you know, maybe it's something that is a little bit of a luxury, as most of these event cinema things tend to be. Um, and I think it's about working with events and organisations that create those kind of experiences um, that are worth sharing 
and enjoying in a you know in a kind of big screen environment and that to me is probably the the crucial key thing about looking to the future in terms of what what type of event cinema um you know how we can keep growing it and and how we can keep bringing in new audiences um you know and that's not to say that we should stop doing any of the stuff that we're doing you know i think um, you know, I'm sure there would be absolute uproar if someone was to suddenly say, no, the NT aren't doing anything else. Um, you know, there's there's a place for all of this, isn't there? You know, so I think it's it's just finding the niches that work and um, and and hopefully attracting new new audiences into cinema who will then not only engage with event cinema, but engage with the main programme as well. Yeah. Yeah, bringing back people who perhaps haven't been to the cinema in a long time because they're being made aware of, of this whole new sort of world. Well, not even new, but world they, they didn't know about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, so thank you ever so much to Jade Turner from the Northampton Film House. Please do check out our website, which is cineplace.co.uk, uh, to have a look for any upcoming events, information, insight into all things event cinema. And check out our social media handle, which is at Cineplace Live um, on all the, the usual platforms like Twitter and uh, Instagram. I will be back very soon with another episode. And until then, we will see you soon. Woo!